You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, on today's show, we also have one of the original members of the show, John Kegley, joining us. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar Madness is going on right now, guys. And if you guys go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. We are three writers who started covering the Chargers for San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. And we've been covering the team for over six years doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome into a Mock Draft Monday 7.0, where we're getting into sixth round of draft picks. I'm sorry for the confusing nature of that, but excited to get into some more Mock Draft talk with you guys. We have some sixth round prospects we're going to go over. But before we get into that, let me just thank everyone who is checking out the show for the first time today. We really appreciate it. And everyone else that is checking back in with us, all of our loyal fans, we appreciate you guys as well. And should be shouting you guys out tomorrow because we should be doing some Twitter Tuesday stuff for tomorrow's show. Any draft or free agency questions that you have. But on today's show, we're going to be starting with the fact that the Chargers made a move over the weekend, kind of, signing Chase Daniel to be the backup quarterback. This was a move that was pretty polarizing, so we're going to start the show there before getting into the Chargers' first sixth-round pick in the second segment and then wrapping the show up with their second sixth-round pick to wrap up the show and a few different guys that we'll be getting into. But let's go ahead and get into it. The Chargers made another move that didn't get a ton of people excited but seemed like a pretty good move to bring in a veteran quarterback over the weekend, bringing in veteran Chase Daniel, who has really hurt the Chargers in the past in his time with the Kansas City Chiefs, beating them when they needed to win the game and really taking them to the edge of another game before a Ryan suck-up field goal miss. But this is a guy that now comes into the Chargers with a lot of relationships, right? He was with Brandon Staley with the Bears in 2018. He ended up being with the new offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, for four seasons in two separate stints with the New Orleans Saints. And David, I know we said all along, hey, we'll be shocked if they don't bring in a veteran quarterback. And now that veteran quarterback at a really small deal. I mean, the deal that Detroit is paying him $1.5 million basically is what the deal is. So not breaking the bank by any means. And now they have a veteran. And now Easton Stick isn't necessarily the guy that has to come into a game if Justin Herbert were to go down. Yeah, we don't know if this new coaching staff would rather take a timeout than put Easton Stick in the game, but we do know now that they were never intending to go into into this season without a veteran type of quarterback behind still a young quarterback in Justin Herbert and a guy in Easton Stick who has really no NFL experience whatsoever. I just expected this move. I think we all kind of expected this move. It's a smart move. He's a guy that's been around the league for a long time, 11 years, been with several different organizations. He's basically been a career backup, but that's a necessary evil. You want to have a guy that can at least come in and keep you competitive. I mean, that's what you're looking for. And I think you feel pretty strongly that Chase Daniel can do that. He's like you said in the beginning, Daniel, he's done that against the Chargers on a couple of different occasions. And uh, thankfully now we don't have to worry about this backup quarterback torching the Chargers. I mean, it seems like the, the new quarterbacks and the backup quarterbacks always have some ridiculous success against the Bolts. But 
Yes, this was a move we saw all along, and it makes just made way too much sense. And Chase Daniel has a pretty sweet gig being a backup quarterback around the NFL with all the teams that he's been on. I'm pretty sure I saw that he's made $38 million in his career to this point to be a pretty average quarterback when he has come into games. I mean, there's nothing flashy about it. Completing 67.4% of his passes last year with one touchdown, two interceptions. For his career, only eight touchdowns, seven interceptions, only six and a half yards per attempt. But he didn't often lose you games. And I think for a backup, John, and I know this was a signing that you were excited about, at least as far as a, you know, maybe not a mentor to Justin Herbert, or maybe he will be, but just to have a backup of his caliber behind Herbert if and in case anything were to happen. So what were your first initial reactions to the move? Well, I love the move. I don't exactly see this as a mentor position. I see this as a, if Herbert goes down, we will be competitive. We have a guy that will keep us in games, and our defense can do enough to win the games. If the game ends 16-13 to 13 and you win, that's because Chase Daniels did not lose you the game. So I like the pick a lot. I absolutely loved it. When I saw it, it's the backup quarterback I wanted in the beginning. But I didn't think we had any chance at getting him. I thought for sure he would have been a more high-priced backup QB. So so the fact that we got him and we got him on a good deal too, I am excited for this. And I agree, Easton Stick wasn't going to always be your backup QB. He was a shot-in-the-dark guy who had a good college experience that you try out. And he's either your future or he's your career backup. One of the two was going to happen and... Now you move on to bigger and better things with this new coaching staff. Now you definitely have your future in Justin Herbert, and now you have a better backup QB for this year. You could probably find an even better one next year late in the draft after you fix the O-line. Your under-the-cover banned reference from John of the Week right there with a shot in the dark. Oh, God. Well, I would say that for Easton Stick, I mean, I don't even necessarily think that it's an indictment on him. I mean, at this point, yes, he's been with the Chargers, but now he's been under three different offensive coordinators going back to Ken Wisenhunt, then to Shane Steichen, and now to Joe Lombardi. So it's not as if he really has a lot of continuation to you know still know the playbook and those things already behind Justin Herbert both of those guys are going into a relatively new offense Chase Daniel hasn't been in this offense but obviously he spent enough time with the New Orleans Saints and Joe Lombardi and even Brandon Staley a little bit in Chicago to know what they're going to kind of do what some of the terminology is what some of the checks at the line of scrimmage and things like that they're trying to do I mean he knows those things so when Justin Herbert has simple questions and things like that, that is someone whose brain he can pick because he's been around those guys so often. So it's not like he's going to reinvent the wheel. When you look at guys that he's backed up, I mean, Drew Brees, you know, that's a good guy to sit behind and kind of see that kind of work ethic. Then it's Carson Wentz, who when, you know, Chase Daniel was there, Carson Wentz wasn't as bad as he was last year. Then it's Alex Smith. Then it's Mitchell Trubisky. So take what you will from that. And then Matthew Stafford. So I don't think you can draw a lot as far as, hey, did this guy mentor these guys? No, in a lot of these cases he didn't, but a steadying presence, a guy that's going to know what to do just in case the offseason is super limited, and a guy on a one-year deal. So, I mean, if the Chargers want to keep Easton stick around, he'll have a chance to at least show, you know, potentially once Chase Daniels' contract up, that he can be the guy that's behind Justin Herbert. But I also don't blame this coaching staff for not having faith in that right now just because David... This guy, Chase Daniel, right now probably knows more offense than anybody else on the Chargers that hasn't spent time with this guys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's 
actually spent time with the new offensive coordinator and been with him on a couple of different stints. And like we've said before, Joe Lombardi, yeah, he wasn't the offensive coordinator with the Saints, but he was highly involved in the game plan. So you would imagine that Chase Daniel was probably in those meetings and those conversations helping devise that plan as well. So that experience with that terminology and the way that Joe Lombardi thinks is going to be very helpful when help when Justin Herbert is trying to learn this new offense. I think some of the things that he might not understand, which we all know he's a very sharp kid, but having a resource like Chase Daniel there who's been there and, and really already knows how Joe Lombardi communicates, I think that's going to help bridge that gap and help him learn the offense that much quicker. When I think Tyrod Taylor ended up being a good mentor to Justin Herbert, at least from Justin Herbert's own words. But the other thing here is there's no quarterback competition, right? Not that there was with Easton Stick, but he comes in knowing his spot as the backup quarterback, right? And with some of the shots that Justin Herbert took in 2020, I don't think it's crazy to want somebody who's a proven commodity who you've seen do it at the NFL level to be backing him up and have someone that can be kind of an intermediary in trying to help Justin Herbert with a lot of these new concepts that they're going to be bringing in this year. But we do have two more segments to get into because it is Mock Draft Monday 7.0. So we're going to be looking at both of the Chargers' sixth round picks in the 2021 NFL Draft coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys, the official betting sponsor of the Locked on Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports because when you're trying to bet, you don't want to find super complicated numbers that you don't understand. You don't want to have to go and jump through hoops to get your bets in. You don't have to do that with betonline.ag. And even if you only like betting on football, you can bet on a ton of NFL futures right now. Who's going to win the AFC West? Who's going to win the Super Bowl? A ton of things like that, as well as getting in on one of the best times of the year to bet with March Madness going on right now. There's still some lower seeds you can still make money on right now as they head into the Elite Eight. But head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus because you listen to this podcast when you use the promo code Locked On. That's Locked On, all caps at betonline.ag for free money to bet with a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into Mock Draft Monday 7.0. And it's crazy to think that we're already this close to the draft, even though, you know, it's several weeks away. It still feels like it came up quick. And now, you know, we're already going to be on to April and it's going to be right around the corner and the Chargers are going to have some major decisions to make. And so far this season, we have talked about prospects from every round in the draft up until the sixth round. And the sixth round is especially important for the Chargers because the Chargers have two picks in the sixth round because of the Desmond King trade last season. So, John, the two picks for the Chargers this year are going to be picks 185 and 198. So two picks, 13 picks apart in the sixth round. And when you're talking about sixth round prospects, I mean, obviously right now it's super cloudy as far as who's going to be there. We use some different mock drafts to get a reference of who could be there. But obviously there's somewhat of a shot in the dark to know how highly some of these guys are rated. But based on the the draft networks mock draft and some of the other mock drafts that you saw and guys that you think could be available in the sixth round, specifically the 185th pick for the Chargers, who were some guys that stood out to you? I traded all four draft picks for a box of Bilt Bars, and I think I came <laughs> out on top here. It depends but, on the flavors you got. <laughs> but uh, one guy I uh, looked at was uh, – Jack Anderson, who is a guard for Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for a guy who could be death, but also be a piece that you can grow as well. 
And Jack Anderson fits that mold. It's a guy who's about 6'4", 309, a lot of size. And he was pretty good against the run and really good with against the pass. And can with how fast Texas Tech lines up to run the next play, he's obviously really conditioned. He didn't yeah. look too tired on game film either. So this And he's even said to be a developmental piece who is bound to be a starter in the future if you look at some of the things that people say about him. So I think this would be a good pick for us at 185, a guy that you would have as depth for the season, maybe two seasons, and eventually he could be your future starting guard, or he could move outside if he ends up maneuvering really well and becoming a, a tackle. But right now I'd say he's your developmental future guard. And I do think you need some depth there. I mean, I guess it depends on how you feel about someone like Scott Questenberry, who we haven't seen him basically at all since 2019, so it's kind of hard to feel good about that. But the Chargers still need depth on the interior so if they wanted to attack it in this round with a guy like that I'd be happy with it because I want to see you know multiple offensive linemen taken in this draft even though the big hole is obviously at left tackle and you're not going to find your starting left tackle in the sixth round of the NFL draft at least you know that's not usually how it works but one of the guys that stood out to me as far as guys that were usually available there was Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo and I think the reason it makes sense is obviously the Chargers have met with them. They've met with basically everybody. I mean, every prospect you could think of. Almost uh, always you. somebody has said that. <laughs> you have something to say about Jared Patterson, John? You're going to all let you go after me. But this is somebody <laughs> that the Chargers obviously talked to. They've met with them. And as far as going to more of a wide zone concept with their running game, getting a guy like this that can be a one-cut runner, get up field, make explosive plays, you know, 10-plus yard rushes, 20-plus yard rushes, get those chunk plays even though he doesn't have the top speed. I think that fits well with what they want to do, and I feel like it's a guy that you don't have to have be the bell cow running back or something like that, but could fit in nicely with a trio of, you know, him if they want to give Josh Kelly another chance in Austin Eckler. So, John, I'm guessing that was your second sixth-round pick. What did you think about Jared Patterson? Well, he was actually also my other 185 pick. Right. And – but I'm glad I have three guys at 185, just in case one of you all took him. Cause I, I knew that'd be a hot pick. Yeah. But I like that straight, straight ahead one, just pick a hole and run type of running back. And I think that he fits that bill really good. It's kind of like the, the Darren Sproles kind of situation where the guy with a lot of strong, with really strong legs. Who once he just found a hole, he just took it. And if you try to tackle him, cause he's so short, his legs would drive him, drive you basically. It's mm-hmm. the same type of thing, and I think the Chargers need that kind of back. You got Eckler, who's just a all-around guy who can be that elusive. I guess if the hole's filled up, he's just going to run outside or he can catch the ball. Whatever it is, Eckler's going to do it. But if you just have that one guy where we know for a fact we've set up this play, and if we give him the ball and the hole's wide open, this guy's going to take it, it's Jarrett Patterson. And you need another running back like that because I don't think Josh Kelly's going to be your future. He's probably going to have one or two more years, and I think Patterson would be a way better pick. When Daniel Popper has talked a lot about how Joshua Kelly last year, the thing people didn't see was he was like the best offensive player in camp, so maybe he can rekindle that after losing some of his confidence. But again, it's hard to have confidence in something we haven't seen you know, come to fruition at the NFL level. But David, as far as sixth-round draft picks go, or prospects, I should say, who was someone that stood out to you? 
Yeah, a guy who stood out to me uh, in an, at a position that I think the Chargers need to add to is Reed Blankenship. He's a safety out of Middle, Ten- Middle Tennessee State. So this guy, you know, you played in a two safety set, you know, so that's going to be something that the Chargers are going to be deploying a lot this year. He's a two-time captain. He has pretty decent range. He has, uh, but he's a very good tackler. I think he's a good tackler, a very good pursuit player as well. Uh, and in, in college, he had eight interceptions and 18 passes defensed in the first three years. And yeah, he's in this small conference, but he played extremely well. And also, he played a lot of special teams as well. He is expected to be a core special teamer at the next level, uh, handling many different uh, aspects. You know, kickoff, kick return. He's going to be on mul- on multi- multiples of those teams. So he's going to help in that aspect as well. And the Chargers need help there for sure. So, yes, this is a guy who fits best in a split safety look, and that's exactly what Brandon Staley is going to be bringing to Los Angeles. So this could be a player that could really help help you feel better about that safety position who's really thin right now. And last year is when they ended up taking Alohi Gilman in the sixth round as a guy that didn't look like he'd be a fully polished product as far as being able to step up to the NFL level. He was a guy that, you know, played with a ton of energy, played a little bit reckless, you know, was always trying to blow people up and make plays on the football That kind of, you know, ball handling, ball skills, I should say, is definitely exciting out of a safety. And the Chargers not only need safety depth, but they also need special teams depth as well. So you would definitely have to hope somebody like that would be contributing there. One of the other guys that I saw that I was looking for edge help in this round just to see, you know, hey, if it made it this far, what would be available? And I saw Wyatt Hubert, who didn't totally stand out to me. I mean, there's times when he has a quick first step. He's from Kansas State. He's a guy who's a little bit undersized to be a full-time defensive interior player at 6'3", 265, but not athletic enough to be an outside linebacker. He's a guy I think that you know eventually could grow into a rotational role as a pass rusher because I do think he has some upside there. Decent bull rush, a decent snatch move, but does have some pretty short arms, so I think that could be a, a concern as well. But definitely a try-hard guy with a high motor, all of those things, and I think tackling was the other big thing for me, which is why I couldn't totally endorse this pick, but it was someone that I was watching to see, hey, would it make sense? It's just hard to imagine, you know, when you have guys like Kyle Emanuel and and under-athletic guys that don't work out on the next level to fully endorse someone like this, but I liked some of what I saw. John, anyone you want to touch on quickly before we move into the second round of six-round draft picks? Uh, Yeah, I went with another guy that you could have for depth at offensive line, and it was Josh Ball from Marshall. He was their left tackle. He's about he was really big, six eight, three fifty. I was watching him on game film and it was just like watching a guy stand above everybody. It was so Whoa, weird. Especially at that level, playing the people uh, Marshall plays against. Yeah, and if the thing with him is this is a like a really athletic guy who really knows how to keep his own balance and really good at pass blocking. Not exactly the greatest when it comes to run blocking, but this is again, this is a guy that you want for depth. But I was, I'm I sure say, pad level is a struggle in the run game when you're six foot eight, three fifty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he, I would say the thing with him is he could get stronger. But like mm-hmm. I said, if you're a depth piece, you have plenty of time to get stronger and develop behind guys. The one thing that I want to know, because I went into his uh, history, is that he got dismissed from Florida State, and I can't figure out why. I've been looking around and I can't fi- find out the details. But that's something that worries me a little bit. But if that was something minor, then I wouldn't mind drafting him. But if this is something like he was found with drugs or something like that, then this this would be a guy I would avoid. But I don't know what that issue is. So as of right now, he's just a maybe. And that's why I made him my last guy 
on here behind the other two with Jack Anderson and Jared Patterson. Yeah, that's definitely understandable. I mean, it could be anything as simple as, you know, not making grades, right, and having to go to the junior college level, get your grades back up, and then make another attempt at it at the D1 level. But That's the last yeah, you chance you right there. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some crazy stuff. I, I played a little bit of junior college football, and, like, the stories you heard from some of those kids, especially guys that had, you know, formerly recruited, were recruited to places like Texas and Oregon and USC and stuff like that. I mean, you'll hear some crazy stuff, but... Hey, I'm sure if anyone will find out about it, it'll probably be Tom Telesco. But we have a second round of prospects in the sixth round because the Chargers pick again at pick 198. So we're going to get into some other guys that could follow the Chargers and potentially make the team as late round draft picks coming up right after this. First, I need to tell you guys that the madness is almost over and the best built bar on the planet is about to be crowned the champion. Right now, we are in the Elite Eight Headed into the final four, and today we have a hell of a matchup because we have Caramel Brownie versus Coconut Brownie Chunk, and I've been telling you guys about the Coconut Brownie Chunk. I know that it's been the most hyped up flavor, and Caramel Brownie is also another very, very good flavor, so I think this is an incredible matchup, and I think whoever gets through will definitely deserve to be in the final four. I don't know if anything is stopping Coconut Brownie Chunk right now, though. It just seems like it has too much momentum. Is a legitimate title contender at this point i think has a strong shot of winning this whole thing so as we head into the final four i think that the last bar that is getting in there is the coconut brownie chunk but make sure you guys go to builtbar.com so you can bet on your favorite bar and make sure the right one gets into the championship or visit them on twitter at bar underscore built and because you guys listen to the show and use the promo code locked 15 at builtbar.com you can get 15 percent off your next order that's locked 15 all caps one word for 15 percent off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar all right guys well it's time to get into our second batch of sixth round prospects and like i've said before i mean trying to find out who's going to be available in these rounds is pretty tough to do. I mean, one of the guys that I'll talk about, somebody that super fan Zach brought up as a potential late-round pick for the Chargers, Tay Gowan, was a guy I watched him film on, and I've seen some mock drafts have him in the fourth round, and some people having him as a practice squad player and an undrafted free agent. So you just never know where some of these guys are going to go. John, when you were getting to the second of the Chargers' sixth-round pick, who was a sixth-round picks? Who was a guy that stood out to you? It was a guy from a school that I don't want to name, but I have to name, and that is <laughs> BYU. And it was Kyrus Tonga, who is a really big interior defense alignment, 6'4", 322, who is very powerful and really hard to block with one guy. Every time I saw him on film getting blocked by one guy, he almost won it about 90% of the times. So he's going to be a guy that draws a lot of double teams. And I think this would be a, a steal, if you will, in the sixth round for your defensive line. I, I, you can't do any worse than what you already had over the past few years, right? <laughs> you, you got no penetration at all. So I think this would be a guy that you could take a chance on to be your next starting defensive line. And I think he could develop into it within a few games, really. He seems to have learned really quickly over the over the years how to develop and become better. So I say after like maybe like six or seven games, you start to see him rotating in more, and eventually next year he's probably your starter. Dang, I mean that's high praise coming for a guy that could be in the sixth round. It's not a guy I've watched a lot of, but I'm mean, based on your description of him, somebody I should be watching. That sounds like somebody that could be very interesting, especially that late in the draft. So I'll match you with the defensive interior player as well. And that's Milton Williams, the defensive tackle from Louisiana Tech. A guy who's 6'4", 280, and shredded. I mean, 
he played, you know, basically defensive tackle, defensive end as like a 3-4 defensive end at times. So I think that's probably where he would fit in to the Chargers. But is a guy that I really liked as far as attacking in the running game. I mean, he did a really good job of locking out offensive linemen and being able to shed guys in the running game. The other thing was, is even though he was extremely raw as a pass rusher, I mean, there were some flashes here and there, but that's definitely something he'll have to work at. And at this point in the draft, you're not going to get, you know, fully well-rounded players all of the time. So that's something you would definitely have to really work out to make any kind of factor in that sense at the NFL level. But the one thing I really liked he did when rushing the passer was he had a great awareness of where the quarterback was. And when he scrambled, he shut that down and really closed up a lot of running lanes at times. And I mean, seeing the guys that have had scrambling success against the Chargers probably drew me to this one. But smaller school guy, a guy that plays a very violent style of football, which is something I always like, and has some upside at the position for a guy that maybe not a lot of people know of. But David, who are you looking at with the Chargers? 198th pick is a guy that stood out to you. Yeah, so I saw a running back by the name of Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State, and I was looking for a, a running back who had a kind of a bigger profile, a guy who could, uh, you know, really do some more damage in between the tackles, and but still had some ability to cut it to the outside. This guy has great vision. I mean, that's the first thing I noticed. He really knows how to diagnose which hole to take, and he's able to, you know, to take it and hit it and get through it, and he has enough speed to, to get some separation. He is a tough runner. Uh, he has that home run ability I talked about. He definitely, and against some, some big schools. I mean, he played against Oregon, and he ripped off a couple of really long runs in, in those matchups, which, you know, was very impressive. He also is very good as a pass catcher in, in the checkdown situations. He is able to create and get uh, really get upfield with his ability his ability to get open and use his agility to, to, sh- to shake uh, defenders. He's really good at that. Um, and he has really good body control as well. So for a bigger type of running back who's about 5'10", 220, that's the type of profile I would like to bring in to complement Austin Eckler. And also Justin Jackson, his career with the Chargers, I think it's winding down. Uh, I mean, he's just been very injured throughout his career. So his uh, his spot as the third running back on this team is definitely up for grabs, and I think that could be filled by Jamar Jefferson. And I think if I was to be good with the Chargers taking a running back, obviously I just mentioned J- Jarrett Patterson in the last segment, but it would be around the sixth round. You have two picks there. If there's someone there that you like, I think you can find value at the running back position there without having to spend, you know, a day two pick or, I mean, gone forbid another first round running back with this team, but nobody's threatening threatening to do that in this draft, so we think. But speaking of a guy who can, you know, make some plays, one guy that I think could fall down to the sixth round is North Texas wide receiver Jalen Darden. And he's a guy that is a smaller profile guy. I'm saying that to be nice, 5'8", 174, but an absolute explosive play machine. 19 touchdowns last year. He would work out of the slot mostly at the NFL level. He had 16 touchdowns out of the slot last year. 1,190 yards, 70 catches, made so many people miss. I think he had the second highest tackle-breaking percentage of any wide receiver in college football last year. I think he could fall a little bit. I think most people were expecting better than a 4-4-6 unofficial 40 time, but 
even against lesser competition, it's hard to bet against this guy. I mean, he was just making people miss so often. He's such an explosive weapon, and I think that top end speed could scare people, even though according to RAS, his short shuttle was in the 97th percentile, and his three-cone drill was the 93rd percentile. So whether you buy into you know draft combine stuff or not, I mean, as far as athleticism goes, he definitely checked those boxes, and I think if he falls, he would be a great value towards the end of a draft as far as just an offensive weapon to have and a pretty good slot receiver potentially. But John, who would you want to touch on last as far as your second sixth round pick for the Chargers? I just want to say I hate Daniel Wade because that was my other guy again, but <laughs> I made sure I had a, a backup guy. Great minds think, think alike, about huh? Darden, So the thing with me was his cone drill because usually you got, you need a guy who's going to be at the very top if you want someone that really good at changing directions, like, those, like a Tyree Kill type of guy. But, I mean, he's, he's up there. Don't get me wrong. He's up there. But I, I want a guy that's going to be the best one if I'm going to go just straight off the cone drill. But his athleticism is something that I really like. That's a guy that's going to make you your plays and be able to really make a, a game-changing moment. And the Chargers need those sometimes. You, you've seen the Chargers when you come into a game and you're playing the worst team in the league and you're somehow playing down to their level, but you just get that one game-changing play. And all of a sudden, we look like we were supposed to, and you end up winning by twelve instead of forty. You know those moments. <laughs> I feel yes. like that's what I feel like that's what he would be. He'd be that game-changing type of player. Yeah, and I mean, you're not like there is no Tyreek Hill, right? I mean, there's one of them, and there's a reason why finding someone like that is so rare. But I mean, one of my notes was this guy could make somebody miss in a phone booth. I mean, some of the human joystick type of stuff he was putting out there on short passes. To break big plays was crazy, but the last guy I want to talk on about. But he right, was North Texas, though, right? I mean, who, of what course. kind of competition are you playing against with with juke moves? Of course, that factors into it. But we're also talking about the sixth round and the second of the Chargers' sixth round picks. I mean, if it was you know not against North Texas, he'd be in the first round, right? If he was doing that against. North oh North yeah, Eagles, I'm not. So. I'm not knocking that down. I'm just saying, like, what is he going to do when he plays against top competition that knows how to square their shoulders pretty well in the NFL? Is that juke move still going to work? Like stuff like I that. I think on most stuff people like, it will. Yeah. But stuff not like that usually, stuff like that usually worries me. Cause I remember a few years ago when we were doing this, I named a guy who could do that same thing and someone else ended up drafting him. And, in, and when he went into a preseason game, he couldn't even juke out the third and fourth stringers. He kept getting tackled and smashed and he took a hit to the head and got a concussion and got cut. Well, the thing is, is all of these are risks, right? I mean, if you're ch- talking about someone who's one of the more athletic guys in his class, I think especially when you're talking about a later round pick, it's always risky. Take the guy that has the traits. Take the guy that, you know, has productive numbers. I'd be absolutely okay with a Jalen Darden pick, especially if it came in the sixth round. But getting over to the defensive side, there was I one had a corner. defensive guy. I want right. to get oh, – let me, let me ask. Was it Trey Norwood? No. Okay. All right, well, I – I brought up Trey Norwood because he's a guy from Oklahoma. So, you know, those guys usually have a lot of speed. I'd say the one problem for him that really concerns me out of all of his problems is that he commits too quickly. So if you're going to do a a double cut or anything like that, a double route, he's probably going to get beat. But if you are going to place him up against someone that's really fast, he could probably keep up with him and play really good man-to-man coverage. But like I said, he – you could probably get taught. You could probably get taught not to over pursue or commit too early to a route. That's a teachable moment. So I'm willing to take a risk on that with a six round pick, and he would be a guy that could also play go from corner 
to safety back and forth if you got injuries as well. There's another guy that would potentially make a decent safety in the NFL that played corner, and that's UCF's Tay Gowan, who is someone that Superfan Zach brought to my attention before I was even looking at seventh-round picks. He's the guy that he brought up. So credit there because I definitely liked what I saw, and I think part of the reason that he's a little slept on is just because of the fact that he went to JUCO and then had to come to the Division One level that way and still played at UCF where you're not going to get the highest you know amount of competition. And there's other guys like Aaron Robinson and Richie Grant that are much more heralded draft prospects. But what I did see was a guy who was extremely long, who made a play on a ton of balls that were in the air last year and the year before that at UCF. A guy that I didn't really see get beat very often. And usually the biggest thing I had against him was just the fact that he wasn't turning his head around too often, but usually still got his hand in there to make plays anyways. I think we've seen with Michael Davis, some of these guys, if you can teach them to turn their head around, it can make a big difference. But one of the things I saw from him was a pretty decent tackler, especially, you know, doesn't allow a lot of yards after the catch. He's pretty sure tackling there, even though he could be better at shedding wide receivers in the running game and trying to get involved that way. But as a guy who's super athletic, super long, and definitely an interesting dart throw in the sixth round as far as a cornerback goes, hopefully doubling down because I think that the Chargers should take two corners in this draft probably. You know, as many as three defensive backs in this class given the shallowness on the roster right now at corner i just think it makes a lot of sense get a guy before this that could potentially challenge for a starting spot if you want to get a pick up a guy like this later on i think the upside down the road could pay big dividends for you but that is going to do it for today's show luckily john is actually shipping out to basic training next week in the army so it is going to be sad. We're going to be missing him for 10 weeks. He will be back with us, but he will be on every show that we can get him on this week. So, John, excited for that and excited for you, man. Well, I thank you. It's going to be a long, boring 10 weeks, but I'm <laughs> going to, I can't wait to come out and be like, oh, okay, who did the Chargers draft? Who did the Chargers I draft? I know. <laughs> That's going to be so crazy. I can't even imagine. That's going to be so funny. We'll know, hold just, down the fort until you get back, though. I know, just sitting in a bunk all day, like, who did the Chargers drive? Be like I'm that. trying to think who would make you the most mad, and that's who I'll tell you that they it'd drafted, like, but the 13th It'd be like the, the Facebook meme where the guy's laying over, and she's like, I bet he's thinking of other other women, and it's going to be a photo of me in my, in my bunk going, who did the Chargers draft yesterday? <laughs> yeah, well, Jaylen I mean, I, I'm very excited for that. I'm very excited for you because I know it's something you've wanted to do for a while. Obviously, we have a veteran on the show with David Drogemeyer previously serving this country and now super proud to have another one of our hosts doing that and all the respect to you guys. And I definitely appreciate your service and I know the fans do too. But good thing is we'll be back with you guys all week. But until then, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers. Make sure to follow our new Instagram page at LockedOnChargers as well to get all of our latest video clips and things like that. If you don't already, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there, whether it's the Radio.com app or giving us a follow on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it. And if you guys could rate and review if you love the show, we would appreciate that even more. But if you guys want to get your voicemails on the show, we'll definitely be getting into some this week if we have enough. The number is 323 323- 524-7924 and we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show but speaking of which we'll probably be putting a post out there to do a Twitter Tuesday segment about all of you guys' draft and free agency questions so make sure to check us out on there today as you guys hear this you'll probably have a post there but we'll be getting into that tomorrow until then guys take it easy and go Bolts.